to Across the Movie Aisle, presented by Bulwark Plus. I am your host, Sonny Bunch, culture editor of The Bulwark. I am joined, as always, by Alyssa Rosenberg of The Washington Post and Peter Suderman of Reason Magazine. Alyssa, Peter, how are you today? I am just fine. Happy to be talking about movies with friends. First up in controversies and controversies, the Golden Globes were last night, or rather some horrifying simulacrum of the Golden Globes, one in which TV and movie stars awkwardly chatted on Zoom calls while the rest of us were subjected to interminable pieces of pre-recorded Zoom humor while winners gave endless speeches about movies no one had seen. Uh, what a disaster. From the aesthetics of the evening to the tone deafness of putting on a big back-padding award show in the midst of a world still trying to recover from the pandemic that has crippled our society, uh, to the fact that no one, again, had seen any of the movies that were being rewarded, the TV shows, I guess they'd probably seen, harder to judge. Uh, the whole thing was a mess from start to finish, just a terrible idea. And yet, despite the fact that this was a truly god-awful show on literally every level, we uh, have yet to hear word that the Oscars are canceling their own shindig, set to take place at the end of April. Uh, as friend of the show Richard Rushfield put it in his newsletter, there's still time to get out of this. Quote, if Oscars took a year off from self-congratulation for entertainment that entertained no one and used the time to raise money and awareness for the many, many people suffering around the world, think how much bigger, more noble, more glamorous Hollywood would seem. Compare that to how much smaller and pettier it looked last night. Last exit to self-respect, Oscar. There's still a chance. Alyssa, you have been calling on the awards bodies to cancel their shows for months now. Do you think someone somewhere will finally listen to you? No, absolutely not. <laughs> Just under no circumstances. Um... I, you know, I think there are a lot of things Hollywood could have done over the last year. I am shocked that we did not see just way more efforts to do pandemic relief, to do PSAs about mask wearing, um, to do, you know, any kind of big vaccination campaign. Um, but absent Hollywood understanding that has any major public role to play in all of this, um, I am pretty sure the Oscars are going to go on as planned and they will probably be as awkward and lightly embarrassing as last night's efforts were. They will probably be somewhat less embarrassing if only because they it will not include just the awful spectacle of, you know, some Hollywood Ford and Press Association bigwigs trotting out and be like, black people, we like them. Um, but that was, that was, that was mortifying um, and not useful at all um but i digress we can come back to that but the oscars will be slightly less embarrassing than the golden globes they will go on the fact that all these shows are proceeding as planned in this like weird omni shambles zombie vision of themselves uh is just embarrassing Alyssa, how much of the show did you actually watch last night um i think i tapped out around the 40 minute mark um i i had to ask you for permission to do that on Twitter. Yes. I as I was a generous overlord of the podcast and I said you didn't have to keep watching. Uh, yes. I myself got through maybe an hour. I didn't I didn't watch the opening bit with uh Tina Fey and Amy Poehler um because I was putting kids to bed and you know by the time I I got around to it they were uh, working their way through awards and it was it was really just awful. So after about an hour or so I I, I turned on Drag Me to Hell. Uh, which which felt much more, <laughs> much less depressing, much more suited to uh, what what I was watching. Peter, how much did you watch? Uh, let's just say even less than Alyssa, like <laughs> notably less. You know, why in the world would anyone subject themselves to this? Why? This is what I want to know: is who was the target audience here? I mean, like. If there's one thing we've learned from the last year, it's that people love Zoom conferences. 
yeah. love them and we need so many more of them well, and they're I'm like not... really great natural forms of of human interaction that just that just make everybody on them feel really like warm toward each other and it's it's just great and like who who needs another zoom conference yeah and you know if they were not going to find a way to do something fun with it or to sort of I mean, at least force all of the participants to have, like, weird, funky Zoom backgrounds. Um, it's just sort of awkward and miserable. Um, and I think, you know, I think Faye and Polar are about as good a hosting duo as you get. Like, they know each other. They like each other. They're comfortable working together. And the just the split coast thing just had no real energy. Um, it's just it was It was bizarre. It was a bizarre choice. I mean, I, like... They had people in the room. There were people in the rooms. There yeah. were there were you know people. Some some there were some presenters. Nice first who were there. responders. Yeah. They had the first responders because it doesn't really matter if the first responders catch diseases. You do, you don't want to have any of the Hollywood stars catch the diseases. To be fair, the first responders are probably all vaccinated. At this well, time. I'm I'm sure I'm sure I bet like the and whole thing is the frankly thing was, some of the Hollywood stars are probably I, vaccinated oh, at this point. I think uh, you would perhaps. Be virtually all of them but they're you know look i i will i I think it's okay to try to model good behavior at the same time um i also think that if they're vaccinated that would have been a good way to sort of say hey look the vaccine works guys uh let's all get into a room together because that's the kind of thing you can do once you're vaccinated and that would you know that's like an inducement to the people who are skeptical about it or but could be. you know what? It, I, like, I actually uh, watched the humor with the doctors. I don't know if you guys saw this segment. There was a there was a there was a bit of pre-recorded humor where uh, actors talked to doctors and they did little bits. And it was it actually made me hope to get COVID and die. That's how <laughs> that's how bad I, w- I was like, I'm just not going to get vaccinated now because I want this disease to take me. Uh, away from here. We, we um, will, I mean, I, we I will think hold a special across the movie <laughs> aisle episode in which we remove your breathing tube and appreciate it. that. I think there's I a there's that. another issue here just besides the format, and that's what this year has done to movies, which, as you alluded to, Sonny, no one has seen any of these movies. And look, I'm a huge Nomadland fan. It's one of the best movies I've seen in years. Um, I'm very happy that it that it won. That Chloe Zhao won for best director. Uh, I'm I'm happy that Chadwick Boseman won. Right, like totally deserved. Uh, award there and yet and yet this is just a year in which no one has seen these movies and even when they've had the opportunity to right you hulu is not a a difficult you know obscure service uh that most people don't have you know don't have any access to if you've got a couple of dollars a month you can see that movie and everything else on hulu um but that's just it, it's 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 really weird to not only have a ceremony that is awkward in format, but also celebrating a medium that has been semi-dormant for the past year and not a real part of people's lives. And this has been something, of course, that the Oscars have been dealing with for the last couple of decades, the last 15 years in particular. Uh, you know, it's the reason why they expanded the Best Picture category in the first place. It's the reason why they... Um, said they were going to and then dropped that stupid idea for best popular film, whatever that was, is that there's this increasing separation between the films that are awards fodder and awards bait, which not a lot of people see, and then the movies that everyone does see. And this year just kind of highlighted it since the type of movie that everyone sees, the movies that everyone's, all the franchise films, these, you know, all the big blockbusters, basically, aside from Tenet, they didn't come out. No. Yeah. And look, I, you know, when I wrote my initial piece saying just cancel the Oscars already, 
um, I got what I think is some fair criticism saying that, look, you know, the Academy Awards and other award ceremonies provide a lift to these movies that are really wonderful, but that a lot of people might not see otherwise. And it is absolutely true that more people have the option to watch movies like Minari and Nomadland than they ever have, um, just but because those sort of- films. A thing, just sorry to, to I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like a thing about the Oscars is that one of the ways that it increases the profile of a film like Nomadland or Minari is by pairing it next to The Dark Knight or Tenet or whatever. Absolutely. And that can't happen in a year like this. Yeah, no, and I just want to say I am sympathetic to the idea that these award ceremonies are giving a boost to a set of films that most people would not normally see at a time when those films are more accessible. But even so, I think that you know, that overestimates to a certain extent the influence of these things. Like, yes, there's a small subgroup of people who really love film who, but aren't sort of professionally engaged in it, who will go out and watch everything that gets nominated for Best Picture. But, you know, I think that the number of people who are ever going to watch something like Nomadland or Minari is pretty small. Um, And that is really accentuated in a year like this one, which is not to say I think those movies, you know, would have been contenders in years when more stuff was released, but um, it's just a, it feels like a will hold denial of what's happening in the industry and what's happening in movies relationships to American audiences. And that's a really tough thing to face up to. It's not promising for the industry. It's not promising for the art form. Um, And I get not wanting to just sort of reckon with that in a big way, but the denial here is not a great look. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the the other thing to keep in mind here is that there's a huge financial inducement to uh, actually hold these shows, right? The Golden Globes makes a ton of money off of uh, airing this this award show, right? The Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences makes a ton of money uh, airing the Oscars. There, there, there are huge, huge, huge amounts of money at stake here. So I, I you know, I, I, on the one hand, I, I kind of get it, but on the other, I just like I. I I am absolutely dreading. I am absolutely dreading the the idea of having to sit through a four hour, three and a half hour, whatever Zoom conference. Because yeah. that's what the Oscars is going to be, and it's going to be a Zoom conference about a bunch of movies that, frankly, I just don't care about. I like I like nothing on my top ten list is going to get nominated for any Oscars. You know, I'm like I'm I, I'm I'm. Uh, you know, I, I have seen most of these movies and I, I even like some of them, but like, God, the idea of sitting through a bunch of people talking about, you know, uh, Nomad Land's embrace of the Western, uh, I want to just <laughs> jump in a, in a big ball of fire. Cause that's it sucks. This all all this sucks. So what you're it's, saying is that JBL should in fact shoot you into the shoot sun. me into the sun, please, boss. I'm just I can't I can't imagine. I mean, again, I like I I you know I don't like the movie about the nice sunsets and the the bucket pooping as much as uh, as Peter does. But like I get it. I like there's there's a great there's a there's a, a place for that sort of picture to you know. It's the have fact its that moments, they're both in the same movie the sun, juxtaposed against right. each other. The I, I, beauty but I, and but, the not. But when that's when so the bucket pooping movie is of... the biggest movie of the year uh, in in the awards world, it's a big problem. It's a big problem, and I I just I don't know what to I don't know what to make of it. Um, just reminds me of uh, my favorite Modest Mouse song, um, talking <laughs> shit about a sit, talking shit about a pretty sunset. Yep. 
Well, I, I I'll take your word for it. I don't I don't listen to Modest Mouse either. Uh, okay. Uh, so what do we think? Is it a controversy or a controversy that the Golden Globes happened and that the Oscars are probably still going to happen, Alyssa? It continues to be controversial. Peter, uh, it's definitely a controversy. Yeah, it's a controversy. Cancel these dumb things. Just put the put a list of the awards winners out and uh, put up a link that people can donate to. Uh, in lieu of having to sit through, it's like the State of the Union. Zoom it should just be a, a just be a letter, or persuade yeah, exactly. persuade all of the distributors. Like, put out a list of the winners and then persuade all of the distributors to donate like a day's rental to Feeding America or whatever. Something, just anything, yeah. literally anything. Uh, all right, uh, if you enjoy this show, which has very little uh, bucket pooping in it, um, make sure to head <laughs> over to atma.thebulwark.com. Uh, where we'll have a bonus members-only episode about the end of peak TV. Has the pandemic killed the age of the adult-oriented anti-hero on cable and streaming services alike, or is it just in hibernation? Uh, and now on to the main event. Minari, Lee Isaac Chung's drama about a family of Korean immigrants who moved to Arkansas in order to capture the American dream. Jacob, played by The Walking Dead, Stephen Yoon, uh, has moved his family from California to Arkansas in the hopes of building a farm that will supply the many Korean communities in Middle America with the vegetables they grew up with. Monica, played by Han Yi-ri, is skeptical of this plan, uh, doubly so when she sees they're going to be living in a double-wide trailer. Trailer life is all right for the kids, though. David, played by Alan Kim, and Anne, played by Noel Kate Cho, uh, want to make their father happy, they, and they, they seem to enjoy having the space to run around in. Uh, the addition of Grandma, played by Yoon Yu Jung, brings the whole multi-generational crew together. I have to be honest, despite enjoying seeing veteran character actor Will Patton achieve his final form, that of early late stage Robert Duvall, I was entirely underwhelmed by this Oscar season favorite. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. Uh, but it it was not the great achievement I had kind of been led to believe it is. Uh, maybe it was just the fact that I was watching it at home and thus more easily distracted. Maybe it's the fact that The Farewell did the whole filial Asian family thing better uh, recently. And maybe it's just the penchant for the Malachy shots of grass and trees and all that and that felt a little bit small after last week's Nomadland, speaking of uh, uh, Nomadland. Um, or, or maybe it's because the movie just doesn't really offer anything new or interesting. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. I am honestly not sure. I, I just found myself unable to focus on this picture and its portrait of the Amer immigrant experience in middle America. Peter, why am I wrong? Tell me why I'm wrong, because I feel like I'm wrong here. I don't know if you're wrong. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with the lived experience of Sonny Bunch here, right? <laughs> like, you couldn't focus. Who am I to say you could focus? I think it's just, I, it's just I mean, technically true that you, you couldn't need, focus, as far need, as I can tell, based on the facts in front of me. You need to explain to me why my focus um, was, was missing. What, 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 why was so it, I, why, why I such this a bad movie has, here? I, I think this is a, I, I like this movie quite a bit. Um, I do think it has some weaknesses, and they may explain your reaction. Um, what I liked about this movie was its gentleness, its sense of calm, right? It's unhurried pacing, uh, the connection to the natural world you had, not exactly in the same way as, say, Nomadland, but you just sort of had all of these, like you said, Malachy shots uh, of nature and this, you know, a, a lot of uh, uh, magic hour sunsets and, you know, walking through grass and that sort of thing. And at the same time, you also didn't have uh, some of the stuff that you, that you might have imagined in a movie like this, some of the sort of the really 
you get so this movie is in part about the immigrant experience and it what one of the things that i think is really interesting about it is it shows how racial difference creates uh conflict in some ways or at least creates no, not not even so much conflict but like it was unusual um to see uh uh koreans in arkansas at the time right that this is set 1980s and so you've got like southern white evangelicals who are saying stuff that is like if you just quoted it out of context it would just seem like flatly racist and the movie isn't saying it isn't racist the movie is not saying that there's no sort of like uh, underbelly right to it it's also just saying this is just a part of a the culture clash right and so it's downplaying the conflict and lowering the temperature on some of that stuff and it is a, again it's really kind of nice and natural and gentle and humane and as a result the conflict in the movie that is there is the, the sparks just sort of don't fly quite as much now literally there are some sparks that fly at the end i'm not saying that there's no conflict at all or that this is a drama free movie but it goes out of its way to sort of not over overplay its hand there um and i think as a result it doesn't have the immediacy that uh you know that i think you sometimes like that you you said this about nomadland too right like you sort of felt a yeah. little bit disconnected from the kind of um from the movie because of the lack of a really clear kind of narrative plot drive conflict structure and minari yeah. has some of that as well i think those are in many ways virtues to this film i think it's really beautiful really nicely acted really natural um but i i also think it might not be for everybody and it's it is probably a movie that that some people are just going to find a little bit boring i found it not that I was able yeah. to concentrate on this um, much more than uh, some of the things we've watched over the last couple of months. Well, I, I will say that I, I liked I actually liked the fact that the 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 race is present in everything that happens yeah. in the film. But it is not a film about racism, which I think is like I which is like vaguely refreshing. Um, and it's in, also in a, a film about way. like southern evangelical religion that shows how yeah odd and yeah. weird it can be to yeah. outsiders and I mean, also is... isn't like oh my gosh these are just a, a bunch of of southern redneck racists that's not like the primary thing this is about at all well, even Alyssa... though again it sort of acknowledges that like it could be harsh Alyssa, maybe see this this is going to feel like a weird thing to say here but it it, it does feel like i will say that like my my looking back on the film this morning when i was writing the script you know, the thing that jumps out at me is how interesting I found like Will Patton's character. Yeah. Compared to everybody else. I mean, he's 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 a like we're looking we're watching like kind of a normal family have normal family squabbles. And like there are there are movies about that that are interesting, but like the the actual like weird and odd and interesting character in this is the guy who drags the cross uh, around the highway on Sundays, you know? Like he's he's the kind of and uh, performs exorcisms on, on bedrooms and speaks sure. in tongues yeah. to people yeah. he barely knows. Right. Alyssa, so, Alyssa, I'm, I, like, am I, is, my, is my problem here just that uh, I am, I am uh, like, I, I don't know. I, like, am I focusing on the wrong characters here? Am I, is this, is I this my issue? I don't know about that. Um, I, I have sort of two branching sets of thoughts. The first is that I think my experience of watching this may have been very different from yours um both viewers um because like a lot of american girls of my generation i grew up reading laura ingalls wilder's little house on the prairie books and this is very much a korean american little house on the prairie it is a story about 
the fact that farming, especially sort of a small scale family farming that you do in your spare time while maybe working a job for cash money is incredibly hard to do. It's a story about the both are a little house in the prairie and Minari are stories about the fact that there are some people who feel really comfortable on farmland and living in that sort of isolation and there are some people who really need the appeal of town there are town people and country people um and you know it's a story about what it's like to grow up in a household that's kind of defined by those competing poles uh one to town and society one to sort of the land and solitude and isolation um and you know it's having read the little house books again it's just a very widespread experience for American girls in a way that it's not necessarily for boys, even though they are in many ways fairly tough and unsentimental, even sort of edited down for a children's audience. Um, And I think that made me like this a lot in part because it is simultaneously very universal and very specific, right? I mean, this is, you know, the Little House books are about a family setting out from DeSmet, Wisconsin um, in, you know, the sort of lead up to the Civil War. And, you know, Minari is a movie about Korean-American immigrants in the 1980s, and yet they have an enormous amount in common, and yet all the cultural details are different. Um, And one of the things that I thought was great about this is how funny so many of the cultural details are. Um, And I think, you know, Soonja, the grandmother character, um, also just frankly reminds... I know. And I think also just resonated for me because she reminded me of my late, uh, much-lamented, irascible... uh, grandmother who I missed tremendously um she was a woman who at her funeral uh one of her neighbors got up stood at the podium very solemnly raised his head and said started his eulogy with Edna taught my daughter how to cuss um and so that sort of you know that it adds an interesting element to sort of the generational tension right the you know the grandmother who you know is not like you know not like a grandma's supposed to be she's you know she's not baking cookies she swears she wears men's underwear she drinks a lot of mountain dew and thinks professional wrestling is awesome because someone might get seriously injured but she also sees her strength and capacity in her youngest grandson that um is not, you know, is not evident to his mother who can only see him as this sort of fragile little boy. But to come back to what you were saying about uh, Will Patton's character, I think this is a really interesting movie about Christianity. Um, And, you know, to see Will Patton's character as someone who, you know, would be dismissed by a lot of people who are probably in the listener demographic for this podcast as like, a hillbilly and a redneck and just sort of a weird uncomfortable figure who also in some ways is living out the vision of christianity that left-wing christians are trying to reclaim in terms of being sort of radically accepting and not just you know oh here's a beautiful family in our midst in the way that the pastor is at you know the white church they go to on the their first weekend there but like actually really wants to be involved in the family's lives and a really sort of radical, almost familial, loving way. Um, And the fact that, you know, uh, Monica, who's initially resistant to him and thinks he's strange, you know, ends up feeling very comfortable with him because of that shared faith. Um, It's a, I mean, it's a very sweet movie in some ways about what shared faith can do to build community. Um, And I think it's really effective on that score, actually. I, um, I am a little almost disappointed that we haven't seen more kind of uptake on it from 
you know, Christian movie sites. Because um, I would love to see more of an evangelical yeah. discussion. Well, I mean, about part of that movie. is this movie has not been widely yes. seen. Yes. Right. And re- and well, even now, it's not even it's not even on Hulu. It's not on yeah. Amazon Prime. This is a twenty dollar rental, right? Yeah. Um, I did. I, I totally agree. The movie's openness to and essential um, acceptance of religion is one of the things that's most interesting about it, right? And and in particular this sort of cross-cultural sense that like it's sort of it's a way of connecting right and for people who have totally different backgrounds and totally different lives uh in some ways but then they they start to have lives that are more similar um and they start to have you know and the thing they share is 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 their faith and it's you know the first time they go to church in some ways there's like awkward questions about i mean one of the 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 little boy uh there's another little boy why there. Why is your face so right. flat? Why is you your face the, so flat? You have right? the little Just girl like... speaking gibberish, but but she's like actually really excited to learn some Korean. I, I in some it was... ways it's super awkward, but it, they're also like, we're happy to have you here, and we're happy in some ways to support you. And you see this sense that it's, it's it's both a, yeah. it, on the one hand it's both like a, a a deeply felt religious commitment, but even more than that, it's a way of building and forming community and of community supporting each other. And you so rarely see that in well, this is... in, in anything approaching like a, a Hollywood production, you know, that is made outside of the kind of narrow Christian movie industry. Well, and this is this may be one 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 place where the film trips me up a little bit is because there are these repeated hints that uh, the family is unhappy with larger scale Korean communities. Um, you know, there's the line uh, early on about how they they left uh, they left the Korean communities to get away from the Korean church. I think I think Monica at one point says, "Why is there no Korean church here?" And the other the other uh, her coworker says, "You know, because we we left to get away from that." And I, I and and at the same time, you you have uh, you you have moments where uh, where Steven Yoon's character talks about how you can't trust the Koreans in the big city. And like, I, I feel like there's, there, there's an interesting tension there that he, you know, fleeing kind of your own culture to start anew somewhere else while also trying to like literally feed the people from your culture at the same time. I like, I just feel like there are so many underexplored avenues here that get dismissed or jettisoned for what amounts to a kind of, standard fair family squabble about money that I just like I I don't know I I was I I just found myself totally underwhelmed I I felt like there was there were missed opportunities here throughout for a different sort of story but again that's very that's it's like the worst sort of criticism is this is not the movie I would have made a different movie like I I don't know I just I don't know I'm I'm at a loss myself I mean I I I agree this is just it's kind of definitionally not going to be a movie that's going to get big, broad uptick, right? Like it just, you you almost, it's really hard to imagine. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if it did. I hope that, I hope that uh, viewers prove me wrong, but this is art house fair, right? This is small, intimate, hum, you know, human and humane. It's about, it's a realistic family drama. Um, it's about ethnic connection and cultural clash, uh, and it's a lot of it's subtitled in Korean, right? It's sort of it's your like it's not the trifecta, it's the the ninefecta or whatever of, what of you, things that like that like you, normie viewers are like, eh, yeah. I don't know. I what think do I'll just watch of? the Walking Dead again. 
What do you guys make of the controversy about this film being considered a foreign language film as opposed to because they're they're you know it it won the Golden Globe for best foreign film. It's how film, the studio submitted it's, it. Like it's yeah. it's a bit of bureaucratic nonsense. I just don't think it's worth getting upset over. Um, I mean, and it's I know people who are very upset about that though, who are like, "Oh, this is this is the most American movie. How can you submit it as a foreign language film?" I mean, when, it's just I do think it's li- is literally enormously in a foreign language. Right. Um, and look, the, you know, the Globes are weird. Um, they have this separate category. I think this will probably be nominated for best picture um at the Oscars and like you know, I as someone who wrote a column that's like, do not take the Golden Globe seriously, I cannot bring myself to get all twisted up about this. Well, but the it- problem is that it, it, whether or not we take the Golden Globe seriously, the the Oscars do, right? This is sort yeah. of, this is the pregame for the Oscars. And that's a big part of the reason why the show went on, why there's no. still a kind of, you know, there's a there's a machine in place that just sort of says that you you do the Golden Globes and they lead into the Oscars and one is a preview of the other. Yeah. I mean, I want to go back to what Sunny said about the sort of um, potential avenues unexplored, because I think, you know, what you're describing a little bit is kind of a withdrawal from more extreme drama in movies. Right. The, like the surprise in. Um, in Minari constantly comes from like undercutting, right? I mean, the kid who asks um, David a racist question in church like ends up being his buddy and they end up like hanging out at his dad's house. Um, And his dad makes some like awkwardly, some more than awkward comments that were completely typical of, you know, uh, blue collar Southern dudes at the time. Um, And yet also seems to not be like, Seems to not be a person whose whole life is built around racial hostility. Right? Yeah, exactly. Seems I mean, to uh, even be somebody who's like, you're my, my son's friend. That's seems- I want you to feel at home. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, I mean, it's almost all of the moments of racial tension are sort of carefully revealed in the script to be mistakes of sort of born of a combination of ignorance and curiosity. Um, and again, like good intentions and awkwardness. Um, you know, even the revelation that like Paul was a Korean war veteran. Um you know, is not, ends up being, like, not a cause for hostility, but for sort of warmth and engagement. Um, there's this moment when he served Korean food and, like, really likes it. Um, the movies, I mean, I think the movie is in many ways sort of surprising, but the thing that it constantly does is just diffuse things that could blow up. And, you know, I have spent a lot of the last year just thinking about my addiction to drama in my entertainment like i'm someone who spent a lot of time thinking about game of thrones and superhero movies and i find myself really drawn right now to more human-sized stuff i think in part because having lived through a world historical disaster like i'm not that entertained by that stuff right now it tenses me up a little bit um and so you know something like this in nomadland or ted lasso um I have responded to you really warmly in part because the dramas are smaller. The stakes are more human. I actually have been sort of bummed as WandaVision has gone by and that has become less the case on that show. Um, So, you know, I, I totally understand where you're coming from and also feel like it has been a real relief for me not to be bombarded by like big, really tense stuff. I I, I think diffusal is exactly the right word. And I just want to say like it, that's, it's not just that it's exactly right, but I really want to defend that tendency in yeah. and say that that is one of the things that drew me into this film. Um, 
and that I think like we should be celebrating because there's there's just too much sort of there's too much too many stories too much journalism too much sort of uh, kind of narrative going around the world today that's that insists that all of those moments of uh, of of clash and conflict of confusion right some of which are you know some of which do in in the real world lead to stuff that's really nasty but many of them don't many of them are are just weird moments of of different humans bumping into each other and you you just don't see that in movies because it's not dramatic because they're so focused on amping up the drama but that's that gives an a, a, like a an inaccurate portrayal of how the real world is and how people actually interact with each other. And to see that here and to see, especially after Nomadland, which you guys remember like a a really important thing that I, that has stuck with me about Nomadland is there's this bit at the beginning of the movie in which um, the, the van livers are talking about how to avoid that difficult situation when you get the knock, right? When somebody is coming to you and saying, you can't live, you can't stay here overnight right in your van because a lot of the times they're doing so in ways that property owners don't like or is illegal or something like you know or dubiously legal um you're supposed to avoid that and then there's a moment that comes uh right around there where the the bad knock does come and it's like a 10 second moment that isn't blown up that isn't turned into this huge heated conflict that leads to a third act resolution you know that where you finally like you've got to defeat the bad guy no it's just an unpleasant moment um, not the be-all, end-all, sort of the, the focus of her life. And I just think that that tendency in movies is one we've seen so rarely, and it's one that is is socially positive, but also true to life. And I like movies that express truths about life, and I think both Minari and Nomadland, in different ways, um, manage to do that in ways, that, in, and I just, I found it extremely appealing. Yeah, and I think at a moment when people have been living an enormous amount of their lives online in milieus where there is tremendous incentive to escalate rather than de-escalate, to you know, approach things with bad faith rather than good faith. Um, it, there is a real important, there's something very important about seeing that a different approach has real benefits for everyone involved and that not escalating things, not craving anger and outrage can be really good for the people feeling those emotions um, as well as the people who are the targets of them. All right, so what do we think? Thumbs up or thumbs down on Minari? Thumbs way up. Thumbs up. Maybe not thumbs way up, but thumbs up. Uh, I, I'm going to go with thumbs down just because, again, I it, it just didn't work for me. I don't know what it was. It just did not work for me. Are you sure um, it didn't work for you? Maybe you didn't work for the movie. I think that might be no. I mean, I honestly, you you joke, but I really do think that like I think that watching this movie in my house, uh, surrounded by people who were not watching the movie, is a uh, is a huge problem. And this is again, I think the theatrical experience is not important for size and sound, although that does matter. I think it's important for attention and and in my my inability to focus on this film is at least in part a function of not being able to watch it in that cocoon space which i i, I think is a, a huge negative and it's one that's getting worse frankly from my own pov it's one that is getting worse so theaters come back soon please um all right that is it for today's show if you loved it 
make sure to check out our members-only bonus episode about the end of Peak TV at atma.thebulwark.com. Uh, and make sure to tell your friends a strong recommendation from a friend is basically the only way to grow podcast audiences. If we don't grow, we'll die. Uh, if you didn't love us, and if you didn't love today's episode, please complain to me on Twitter at SunnyBunch. I'll convince you that it is, in fact, the best show in your podcast feed. See you guys next week. Next week.